My guest today is often touted as the king of LinkedIn. In 2019, he left his high-paying executive job at a fast-growing startup in LA to work for himself. Since then, he has built a passive income machine online using the power of LinkedIn. The results? He went from 2,000 followers to now 123,000. He's generated over $1.2 million in self-employed income. And get this, he's done it all with zero ad spend, not a single dollar invested into ads. Now he's teaching others how they can do the same thing he did as the co-founder of Audience and Income. Introducing Justin Welsh. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Justin, welcome to Winning Streaks. Tanvir, it's so good to be here, man. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Now, Justin, let's just start. Well, Justin, let's just start at the at the beginning of the journey. So, you had helped to build up two fifty million dollar annual recurring revenue companies and had raised over three hundred million dollars in venture capital. Then you burned out and decided to go in a completely different direction. Can you detail exactly what was going through your mind at that time and how you made the shift from a highly paid executive? To an online entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, so I, I got into technology when I was 28. The first six or seven years of my career weren't super successful. Um, I was I was a little immature and didn't find the right opportunity. And, and I broke into tech in 2009. And I spent five really awesome, um, but really difficult years at, at a company called ZocDoc in New York. Difficult in the sense that it was just a high performance place, right? So like you always had to be on, you always had to be um, performing. And and I loved that about the culture, um, but it was tiring. I moved across the country, um, I think a total of four times from New York to San Fran to Boston to LA and back to New York. So there was a lot of moving, a lot of work. Um, became an executive at 33 for a company called Patient Pop Pre-Revenue and spent about four and a half years there, uh, growing the business to a little over 50 million in recurring. And I think as I sort of entered like my 10th year in technology, uh, a few things were happening. The, the team was getting really big at Patient Pop. You know, every, every, the, the, the revenue was getting really big. And so every day was a new milestone, a new challenge. And um, it was a lot of stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, as that stress and pressure continued, and as each thing became further and further outside of my control, I, I started to, um, try and cope with that in ways that are generally just not healthy, drinking too much, eating too much. I was overweight, working way too many hours, sleeping too little. The common story of, of those who kind of go through the, the burnout um, phase that I went through. Um, at the same time in early 20, maybe no closer to like mid to late 2018, I had started writing on LinkedIn and I was getting a little bit of attention, but not much. And all I thought to myself was, if I'm going to burn out and I'm going to step down from my role, I better have a backup plan. And I didn't know what that backup plan was going to be, but I knew that having some attention from, you know, online or social media was going to be a good thing. 
And so um, I started writing even more, wrote daily. And uh, once I had proven to myself that I could land some consulting and advising clients, that I could sell a few digital products, uh, it made sense for me to step down and try and backfill my, my normal income with, with uh, you know, doing things online. So did you turn, was it initially a side hustle that you then turned into a full-time income? And when did you decide, I guess, from a monetary standpoint that, okay, now I can sustain when leaving my full-time job and go all in on my you know, side hustle? Yeah, it was a side hustle when I was at Patient Pop. I had maybe one or two small consulting clients. Um, and initially, uh, my my goal was to step down and do nothing for a moment, just to chill and like relax and you know, kind of um, recalibrate. And when I stepped down, um, I announced it, and suddenly my inbox was flooded with healthcare companies in, in SaaS saying, "Love your help." And, um, you know, are you looking for a new role? And so I just always said, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm looking to I'm be help, I'm happy to help and consult and advise and things like that. And so it actually turned into like what went from a very small side hustle one day to like stepping down and then suddenly having a lot of clients right okay. away. Right. And there's pros to that, right? I was happy about that. But all of a sudden I was working, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week again, trading time for, for money. And that wasn't my initial goal. And so um, it was less of like a growth towards a full-time entrepreneur or solopreneur. It was kind of like it happened almost overnight, due partly to my success at Patient Pop. Mm-hmm. But then I trans I transitioned in the second phase of my sort of career as a solopreneur online away from the advising and consulting and more into selling digital products, building private communities, so on and so forth. That transition has been, you know, quite a bit longer. Yeah. It's almost like you took like a staircase to making that full-time transition. And now you're, you're, you know, experiencing the fruits of your labor and, and building that audience online. When it comes to entrepreneurship or online entrepreneurship, I think one of the things people struggle with the most I certainly have is the idea of, you know, I want to start a business, but I don't know where to start. I don't have a good idea. I don't have anything to sell or, you know, I don't even know what to say. Uh, if you're let's talking about like content wise on, on LinkedIn, how did you get started initially? And what would you say to those people who are struggling with that, with that conception? Yeah, I would say you have to reframe how you think about your value. Uh, there's something that I talk about called, I just named it knowledge blindness, which just means we're all blind to the knowledge that we have. Um, we become so ingrained, we become so familiar with what we know that we, we can't imagine that anyone else doesn't know it. And so we, we say to ourselves, well, I can't go out and teach that, that everyone knows that. Um, that. That's sort of one problem. The second problem is that we have this like expert fallacy, which is like, oh, I'm not an expert. I'm, you know, I'm not enough of an expert to go out and teach things. It's silly. Like think about any, think about, think about actual teachers, right? Like think about your high school teacher, math teacher, probably not the world's foremost mathematician, but just knows more about math than you do. That's why they're a teacher and they know how to get you up to their level of, of mathematics. Same thing with the rest of your teachers, not world renowned, just know enough to get you to where they are in their journey. And that's how I think about teaching. So the first thing I, I think about is, okay, let's figure out what knowledge I have that's actually not that common, right? So let's let's really take a, an objective look at, at the things I know that are are not super common, and then let's go find people that are a few years behind me. 
And that's how I started. I started saying like, hey, if you want to be an executive at a SaaS company and lead sales teams, um, I've done it for four years. I'm not you know, Mark Roberge. I didn't build HubSpot to 100 million. But I didn't have I didn't have to. Like there were plenty of people who had never built a sales org to 1 million or 2 million and I had done it to 50. So I looked at those folks and said, um, I'm going to start to create content for you all. And, and that's what I did. So my, my recommendation to people is like create content for the you from two to three years ago. Whoever you were, wherever you were, whatever you struggled with, there are people that are struggling with those same things. And the knowledge that you've acquired in the last two to three years will be extremely valuable to them. Yeah, I love that. I, I forget who I heard it from once. I think I heard it from Sam Ovens, who's like a, an online marketer. But essentially, it's, you know, people are always looking for the next level up worth of expertise. It's not zero to 100 million. It's like, how do I get from zero to a million, a million to 10, 10 to, you know, 100. And as long as you have that one rug ab- rung above worth of expertise, you're able to teach the, again, like you said, two to three years um, before you uh, type audience. Yeah. I could have made every excuse in the book. I could have said, there are a hundred people who have built bigger, stronger, faster, more well-known sales teams and machines than I have, um, and therefore never have gotten started. But instead, I was just like, oh, there's also a lot of people who have never done these things you know, in any capacity. So I'm going to try and focus on them versus focusing on the guys or gals who have, you know, quote unquote, more successful careers or, you know, bigger careers than, than mine. Yeah. Got it. And I mean, since then you've been able to generate, now you're generating tons online in terms of passive income. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about the first six to 12 months of gener- getting it from, you know, you're t- trading your time for money as opposed mm-hmm. to your money for time and how you make that switch eventually? Yeah. Um, it kind of all started with a lunch that I was having. I was having, I lived in LA. I live in Nashville now, but I, I was in my home in LA and I had Kevin Dorsey over for lunch. And Kevin was, um, he worked for me at Patient Pop. He was my VP of inside sales. And we were sitting there having lunch. It was a weekend. And I said something to the effect of, I was going to build a sales course. And he was like, oh, everyone's building a sales course. Like, why don't you build something that teaches people how you use LinkedIn? I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never really considered that. Um, so I actually went into my uh, DMs and started just reading through them. Like, what do people... I, I get a, a lot of DMs every day. Back then, fewer. but um, And I started looking and no one was like, oh, how do I build an SDR org? Or how do I compensate my reps effectively? Or what? There were very few of those questions. Most of the questions were like, how do I get more traction on LinkedIn? How do I get more engagement? How do I write better? And I was like, oh, this is really, really interesting. Kevin might be onto something here. So I decided to build, it wasn't as intentional as I'd like to think it was, but at the time, this kind of thing I call trust tripwire, which is I wanted to package up my learnings in a really affordable way to get as many people to buy it as possible and then provide this really intense level of value for an extremely good price. So I I made a two-hour course called the LinkedIn Playbook. I put everything that I could possibly think of into it, and I charged $50 for it. I discounted it down to 40 or 35 every once in a while. My goal was not to make a lot of money, and I didn't. I made like 75K, which is a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but like it's it's not a like it's not what you you own a house in Los Angeles making. And so um I made I made that money. And I was like, that's cool, but the real long-term play here is 
people to be like, oh my gosh, I paid 50 bucks for this. And this is insane. This is so much more valuable than I would have expected for $50. And so that was my first step in moving towards digital products was to say, I want to get 2000 buyers. I want them to be extremely happy. I want to get a lot of testimonials. I want them to be really, really thrilled that they bought this product. So that was my first foray into like doing a lot of work up front and then having it, you know, sell itself, I guess, for the next 18 months or 15 months that I kept it on the market. Yeah, you made an offer that was really hard to refuse. And for context, we were just talking about it before we hit the record button. But for context for everyone listening, I uh, purchased Justin's LinkedIn playbook about two to three years ago. And if it weren't for his playbook, I probably wouldn't have been able to get winning streaks to top 10 podcasts on the charts. So I I sincerely have to thank you for that. And um, you certainly put so much value into it. Like I think you just packed it and over delivered on value um, compared to the price that it, it just made it a no-brainer um, and since then you know you've you've grown the audience um, like I said 123,000 followers on, on LinkedIn which is absolutely insane um, but as a result of you putting those accomplishments out there you've also gotten some criticism I forget again I forget who said it but someone says if you if you're not hated you're probably not posting enough or not creating creating enough content but you know people make criticisms such as you make online income sound easier than it is um, you perhaps painting an unrealistic picture of working for yourself um, or you're encouraging people to leave their nine to five and go out on their own how do you feel how do you deal with that and and what would you say to other people maybe listening to this and thinking the same thing? Yeah, I think that um, I don't think any of those things are true. I don't think I've ever encouraged someone to leave their role without a significantly good plan in place. Um, I think today, the downsides to entrepreneurship and solopreneurship are so very limited. I think the upsides are infinite. And um, I realize that people can't just quit their jobs. Like I'd, I'd be foolish to be like, "Hey, quit your job," and you have no plan. That would that would be silly of me to to recommend. Um, online income and creating a business online is not easy. It's it's simple, but it's not easy. The steps are pretty simple. Like you go out, you get some attention, you find a niche, you write content that helps people. You do it for a very long time. You figure out the most common things they want to solve, and you create a product to solve those things. That that is in 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 and of itself the way to create online income. It just takes a long time, and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of creativity and things like that. So um, I would say I don't agree with those things, but I would also say like I could write about puppies and rainbows and you know all the really nice things. Ten percent of people are always going to hate what you do. I think there's a lot of angry people out there right now, and um, you know I think sometimes when I'm sharing some of the things that I do, I think. Potentially, they could come across as um, sharing success stories. And I think that makes some people who aren't experiencing some of the same success irritated. Um, I think some people are like to be contrarian by nature. I think other people feel most comfortable when they're putting others down. I think um, some people make a living trolling on the internet. Like all, all of those people think that they're doing something that is harming the person on the other end, but what they're really doing is helping just shining a light on my content. They're just making it easier for me to be found. Um, so I don't really think about it too much. Yeah, it definitely makes your content go even more viral, which I, I love to see. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the struggles that maybe you faced across the journey. I mean, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. So what sure. 
were maybe three main struggles that you ran across during this, you know, full-time executive, highly paid executive journey to now, you know, side hustle, um, passive income online journey? Yeah. I'd say one is just like the unknown, right? I think um, what was really great about my role at Patient Pop is I had a pretty consistent paycheck and I kind of knew what was going to go on. I sort of knew what my days were going to be like. I sort of know, knew what my responsibility was, all those different things. I think being a creator, it's like there's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different unknowns, right? It's like, how is income going to be this week versus last week or this month versus last month? Um, what are my responsibilities this month? How are they different than last month? What should I be spending my time on? All of those things are just, just simply unknowns. It doesn't make them bad. It just makes them... Um, more difficult to predict. And so that causes a little bit of stress. I'm a control freak by nature. And so I like to be very much in control of what's happening. And so that was stressful. I would say learning to balance my time has been really, really stressful. Um, You know, I've got a SaaS advisory. I'm an LP at a a rolling fund called Go to Market Fund um, run by Max Altschuler. I'm a mentor to 500 startups in Latin America. I sell online courses. I run a private community. I do coaching. I'm a husband. I have three dogs. Like there's a million different things to do. And so trying to figure out how to split your time, it's not like I'm laying on a beach drinking a Mai Tai, right? It's like I'm working probably more than I worked as an executive. It's just, you know, on things I want to work on. So trying to trying to figure out that time, I think is really, really challenging. And then I think just like Understanding how to best delegate has really, really been challenging as well. I'm a, I'm still a one man business. My wife Jennifer helps out a lot, but I, I'm you know, technically a, a one person business. And I think um, as as my online popularity grows, as some of my revenue streams grow, as my customer base grows, you know, there's admin problems, right? Customer support tickets, you know, can't find my password, don't know how yeah. to do the course, don't understand Slack community, so on and so forth, and so. Um, I think it's delegating those things effectively so that I can focus on the real thing that helps me, which is being creative. Got it. Yeah, I think I actually sent you one of those tickets initially when I couldn't log in way back when, and, uh, and thankfully you replied okay. in lightning, <laughs> lightning, lightning response time. I'm pretty. Um, I'm a pretty fast re- replier. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of um, on the ball like that. That's just how I was trained in certain startups. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I I can resonate too. I work at. Salesforce. I'm an account executive at Salesforce. Oh, so awesome. Very I cool. deal with that every day. Um, I worked at Salesforce for two months. Not a lot of people know that. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. I worked Which, in the uh, New York office. Nice. Very cool. I, I did want to go to the New York office and I was planning to make a trip there until unfortunately the pandemic hit us, but hopefully one day. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, you said that now you're probably working even more than you did as a, as a highly paid uh, exec. Um, but you're working on things you want to work on. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to cover the topic of, you know, working on your passion versus working on your strengths. How did you decide that this was the thing that you wanted to work on? Um, and is it a passion thing? Is it a, this is your strength thing? Like, how do you formulate that um, when putting together the business? Yeah, I think it's a combination of skills and interests. Um I, I will say this and I do not mean for it to come off as, as um, arrogant or anything like that, but like, I feel like I'm pretty good at LinkedIn. Like I've figured it out, you know, for the most part, I know how to get a lot of engagement. I understand how to network on the platform. Um, so I would say that that's a skill that I have. I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty good at it. It's also really interesting to me. I've met a lot of really cool people like 
you may or may not remember, I hosted a show called Thursday Night Sales uh, with Scott Lee and Amy Volus. Um, I've actually never met either of them in person, um, oh, wow. even though we, we've talked a million times. Um, so meeting really interesting and nice people, um, doing really cool things on online. I just really like that that world. Um, and so I think it's a combination of skills and interests, to be honest. I think my ultimate goal, though, is I don't want to be like a LinkedIn person. That's not my goal. My goal isn't to be like a LinkedIn expert. I, I um, have greater ambition than, than being pigeonholed as that type of person. So w- what I would like to do is um, change a lot. Like I would like to, um, a year from now, do something very different, right? Maybe even in a different space. And my goal is to build enough attention where people are really interested and tied to me as the brand. So that if I move from talking about LinkedIn and side hustling to talking about traveling the world, that they will remain interested and they will remain connected to that. And of course, you're always going to lose some followers and, and things like that when you move topics, but you also gain new ones. And so my goal is to be fluid. I want to be able to do whatever interests me at the moment, do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and do a lot less of what I don't want to do. And as long as I can be fluid and be the brand that people are excited to follow, then that, that to me will be a win. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out this episode of Winning Streaks. If you're liking what you're hearing so far and you're interested in checking out Justin's LinkedIn Operating System program, he has offered a special 20% discount exclusively to listeners of Winning Streaks. I'm going through the course right now and I can tell you it's an insane wealth of information and people are charging hundreds of more dollars for this kind of stuff. I would highly recommend it if you're interested in building an income online with your passion or expertise. If you want to check it out, I've linked the course below in the show notes. Enjoy the rest of the show. I don't want to give away too much uh, from your courses. I don't want to give you away your whole product, but right. you've done an insane job of attracting attention. Like you're just able to grab attention on LinkedIn like that. Um, a big piece of it is is the copywriting. Like your copywriting is just so good, and and it motivates me to continue to read a post once you, you know, hit that more button. But I'm wondering if you have some rules that you think of when, when attracting attention and what maybe listeners of this podcast would be able to benefit from in terms of how can they attract attention um, online? Yeah. The, the first thing that I would suggest is like, don't use gimmicks. We've seen, I see gimmicks on LinkedIn all the time. And by the way, it's like, who cares what I say? Maybe maybe using gimmicks is great. These are my personal opinions, right? So like take them with a grain of salt. But um, I don't want to go screenshot someone else's tweet and share it and say thoughts, question mark. Like that's not interesting to me. I, I, I want to say things and create things, write things, video things underneath my own name. I don't want to share someone else's opinion. I don't, I don't care what you know someone on Twitter has to say. I, I want to say what I have to say. And I think it's really hard to build a a really intense following unless you're creating underneath the accountability of your own name. So um, that is like a rule that I follow. You'll never see me screenshot someone else. You'll never see me me share anything else. I share my own thoughts. That's what I think is is best for me. Um, The other thing I don't do is like engagement gimmicks. So I don't run polls even though they get really great engagement. I'm not going to ask you to choose a heart or a like so that to vote on something because again, like it's not, be- it's not value add. It doesn't benefit my audience. Uh, me running a poll does not help you or anyone else who's reading it. Like it just doesn't. And so I, I stick very 
straightforward. No polls, no one else's stuff, my own stuff. I don't like video. I don't like audio. I don't like image. So I write because I'd like to write. And like, if you like to do video, do video. If you like to do audio, do audio. That, that's what I kind of recommend. If you're a designer, make pictures. Um, whatever you think will help you stay consistent stay consistently producing is the most important thing. So if you're doing something you don't like, it's, it's not going to work. Um, you know, I try not to be vanilla. Like I, I see other people all share content. That's like, you know, um, if you don't get, have a good commission plan in your sales job, you know, the company, you should leave. It's like, yeah, of course we all agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Crappy commission plan. You should leave. Like, right. Don't don't say things that are obvious, right? Like, don't say things that are just like vanilla, boring, middle of the road. Anyone else could say it. You could slap that sentence on anyone's uh, anyone's. Like, talk about what you think. We all have strong opinions. Um, we should share them. And there's a difference between strong opinions and divisiveness, being an asshole. Like, right. don't do that, right? right? Be like, you're you're the player in this game. You're the avatar, and like, you better play with the right characteristics. So you get kicked out. So. Those are just a few things I think about when, when I guess, writing. Yeah. Yeah. And you've picked your vehicle. Like you said, yours is writing. Some people, I know I like to switch between video and writing from time to time. Um, so everyone has their own unique strengths that they can use online. Sure. The one thing that I did want to get into was just time in the trenches. This is something that I think about often. And you've had time in the trenches. Like you've, you know, been able to help these these companies grow from the ground up. Uh, you're strategic advisor to a number of companies. You've posted on LinkedIn for years before you started like actually legitimately monetizing from it. Um, I'm wondering for someone who's maybe like in their day job right now and they're like, hey, I want to find a way to create money online. I don't know what to do. Um, is there some time in the trenches that needs to be involved there before they start you know, getting on the path to monetization, or do you think there's a path to being able to, you know, jump right into it and start making money? Um, it depends on what your long-term goal is. I think like, can you throw up a landing page and a couple of YouTube advertisements and drive someone to a landing page and maybe get a few people to buy? Probably, right? Like I, every time I go look at a YouTube video, there's some new young, you know, e-com experts who are trying to sell me a, a masterclass before my um, you know, I watched my YouTube video. Does that work? Probably. I mean, or else they wouldn't be doing it is, is my guess. Is that a long-term sustainable play? Like, I don't think so. I think the idea of building organic growth is pays off in so many different ways. Um, growth on online and attention online is not just about monetization in the, in the near term. It's about, um, when you write interesting things or record interesting things online underneath your own name organically over the long period of time, you get invited into private Slack groups. You get new job opportunities. You get opportunities to make investments. You get to become advisor, consultant, coach. You make new friendships. You get to work on new projects. Um, there are so many things that come from actually playing the long game and like thinking about it as a long game versus how can I monetize my expertise in the short term. Um, that to me compounds. And that's why everything I do is organic. I don't run ads. Um, cause I think about, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's, I'm having a lot of success right now. It's 2021, but like, I'm thinking about what it's gonna be like in 2031. And so, um, I think if more people thought like that, they'd probably, you know, be more organic and be a little bit more consistent. I think that that's just my opinion of the way to go. 
yeah, working the long game and and progressing towards that. Um, and I feel like with your long game, like you've been posting the similar content, basically all around building an income online and um, generating on online attention. Um, is you've been essentially posting the same content for a long time. So focus, mm -hmm. right? You've had focus for a long, long duration of time. Um, and I know, for example, someone like myself, like I, I'm in sales, but I also like podcasting and I have like other passions. How do you drill down to, okay, which one should I actually focus on? And then how do you stop yourself from getting distracted with all the other shiny objects that are out there? Yeah, I think it's mostly listening to the market. So like, like I kind of talked about earlier, no one was really asking me a lot about sales, at least not on LinkedIn. Every once in a while, a founder would ask me a question about sales. And so um, that was cool. But most of the people were talking about LinkedIn. And so I was like, I'm going to listen to the market. And that's how I determined like what to write about or like what to, what to say more things about. Um, because when there's signal, like there's a lot of noise, you just got to kind of look, look for the signal. And once you find the signal and it's really repetitive, like start building for that. And I will continue to do that until I get a different signal or, or until I lose interest and I want to do something different. And then I'll, I'll move into a new arena and look for the signal in that arena as well. And, and, and see what kind of resonates. Um, that, that's sort of how I, how I thought about, um, what to focus on. Um, I also think it's just all about passion. I, I, I say that I want to be careful when I say that, because I don't think <laughs> that everything, I, I don't think that everything you're passionate about is necessarily a good business idea, but if there's a huge amount of signal and people are asking for things and willing to buy things and you happen to be passionate about it, then great. You have a really good intersection of two things that are meaningful. And so that's the way that I think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I find that at least when it comes to selling something, it has to be a combination of passion and strength and, and what the market dictates, kind of like product market fit, right? Mm -hmm. um, being totally. able to associate that with something that you're interested in. And that's what you've done, um, which, is, which is amazing to see. Now, you recently made a post and it was probably the most impactful post I'd ever read. I had sent it uh, to my girlfriend right away and I, was, and I was just like, this, this is what I want. And it was basically you saying, you don't want to change the world. You don't want to build the next unicorn. You don't want to be featured on any list and you uh, don't want to get the highest valuation for your company. Instead, you have different motivations. Um, can you talk a bit about that post, what those different motivations are? Um, it definitely seems that you know your motivations are a little different. Can you talk about how you got to formulating those beliefs? Yeah. Um, so... I like to make money, right? So like, just like everyone else, I like to be successful and, and all those things and make money and go on nice vacations. And so I, I certainly um, won't play some, you know, uh, Mother Teresa card here, but um, what I really like is time. Like my time to me is the most important thing. I want to spend as much time with my wife as possible. I want to spend time with my dogs. I want to spend time with my parents, my extended family, like my friends, those are the things that are most important to me. And I don't like thinking about life in an accumulation and then uh, a fun phase. So like so many people think about like, oh, if I can only get, 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 get. And then once I've got, then I can start like doing all the things I want to do. <laughs> and it's like too many people get and then they die. Yeah. And like, I, like that sucks. And I don't want to be a part of that. Like 
I don't want to work till I'm 65 or 55 as hard as I can, ignoring my family and friends to accumulate X number of dollars and then decide that life is now suddenly worth living or it's okay to start having fun. Um, and I think a lot of people dic- uh, dedicate their whole lives to work. And so I want to make enough of an income where I can continue to live the life that I, I, I want to live. I can continue to do nice things. I can continue to save and invest my money. Um, but I don't want to scale. I have no interest in scaling my business. I have an interest in making my business more efficient. If I never made more money in one year than I've made this year, that is 100% okay with me. I'd like to work less. I'd like to find efficiencies where I could work 75 or 50% of the time that I do now and make a similar amount of money. That to me is like the ultimate goal so that I can do more traveling, spend more time with my wife, you know, enjoy the time that I, I have here versus always scaling, blitz scaling, trying to, you know, million, trillion, whatever. Like that to me is just, I don't know, it's not what I'm motivated by. I'm motivated by my, enjoying my time and doing very few of the things that I don't like to do. So that was it. And people really seemed to like that post. They liked it last year when I wrote it, but <laughs> they liked it again the second time I posted it. Yeah, that's one thing I love that you do. I see that you, you know, yeah. repurpose a lot of posts and it's yeah. it's great to see. And yeah, that I can say that the way you wrote it this time around for sure just like hit me good cuz good. You know, when you work on the things that you want to do, I feel like you show up better in your everyday life. Like you just show up better with the people that you interact with, your family, significant others, et cetera, et cetera, when you're doing the things that you want to do. So um, definitely love that. Thank you for posting it. Um, yeah, you're you're welcome. There, there, there's a blog post written by a guy named Peter Levels who runs Nomad List and a couple of other like SaaS companies. I don't know him. He doesn't know me, but I read his blog post and it was called like, why I'm unreachable and you should be too. And he basically talks about like, what is he like, People write him and ask him to buy his company, a partner, and he's like, "What am like? What what would I do with a ten million dollars if I got it, or fifty million dollars? Like, I buy a boat and then what? Sit on it by myself? Like, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of like big houses and cars and boats and like none of that stuff impresses me or like gives me a whole lot of joy. Like, I'd much rather downsize and and and, and spend my time, you know." Uh, not spending a ton of money. I just need, need enough to survive and live the life that I want to live. And that's the opposite, I think, of some entrepreneurs, which is totally fine, by the way. Like we need, you know, guys and, and gals like that for sure. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a story about a fisherman and an investor. Yeah. So this fisherman, mm-hmm. I think you've, you've heard of it, is this fisherman sure. who, uh, you know, uh, investor comes by, sees his business and he asks the fisherman, fisherman what's he want, what he wants to do. And he says, you know, I like to play with my kids. I like to work on my garden. I like to fish every day. And he's like, well, if you, if you, if I invest money and you bought another boat and we could scale your business up, you could have all these fishing boats and then you'd be so much more rich. You'd have $50 million. And he's like, what would you do with that money? And it would be the same. He was like, sorry, the fisherman was like, why would I do that? I can still do all those things that I want to do, play with my kids, work on my garden, uh, you know, fish every day with what I have right now. So yeah, uh, I think it is the, uh, the, I think it is the opening story to four hour work week, I believe. Oh, there you go. I love that book. No, no wonder yeah. why it's coming from that. I think, I think, I think that that's what it is, but I can't remember. Could be. Um, all right, so let's let's get into some actionable steps. So, if someone uh, again, previous scenario is in their job uh, right now, whether they're happy with it or not, 
maybe exactly a year from then they want to make enough money online to be able to cover their expenses. Um, obviously, that can change from very to person to person, but let's just say it's it's an average of X. To get there, what is the process that they need to go through from day one to month 12? Yeah, uh, a lot of stuff, but I'll, I'll try and give my best shot of, uh, of kind of um, breaking it down simply. I think the first thing you need to do is get over your fear, right? I think you need to, you need to get outside your comfort zone, be prepared for that. Get your, get your skin thickened up, realize that going out and sharing things online are going to rile a few people up. So it's kind of like getting your mind, mindset right first. I think the next thing is really trying to figure out what niche you want to play in. Um, the way that I think about niche is it goes like broad topic, niche, sub-niche. So like athletes, runners, marathon runners, right? Um, sales, SMB sales, SMB sales in the healthcare space. So I would try and find like, what is your niche? What do you do specifically really well? And who specifically do you actually help? Um, I see too many people that say things like, I help companies grow. What does that mean? <laughs> like Microsoft? Like Microsoft or like the local bakery down the street or a car? Like, whoa. what do you mean companies? So like, who do you help exactly? And what exactly do you help them do, right? You got to figure that out. And it can be really niche. No niche is too small if it's yours. That's what Seth Godin said. I think that's a really great quote. And so once you get your niche, then you have to start to build your audience. And I think your audience is just about content production and it's staying true to your niche. It's understanding what your audience wants to hear. It's infotainment being both entertaining and informative at the same time. I think that is the best way. Think of all the big brands, you know, in the world, um, whether you like them or hate them, Oprah, Kanye, Trump, all those sort of big, huge names, right? Infotainment, entertaining and informative. Um, so you got to start building your audience. I think once you build your audience, you have to you have to start to recognize commonalities amongst your audience. It's so like, what are the most common challenges that they have? There's definitely going to be two to three sort of prime challenges that stand out as you talk more and more to your to your audience. And the first thing that I would do is build a simple service business around that. And the service business has three stages. There's the free or low cost stage where you're simply trying to go out and prove that you can solve those problems, number one. And number two, collect testimonials from people that are happy that you've solved those problems. So once you prove out your system, you solve those problems, and you have a lot of testimonials, you move to stage two, which is what I might call like, you know, best practice price. So it's you're kind of priced accordingly to the market. You have a nice rate. You can go out. You have a provable solution because you've already done it. You can attract more clients using testimonials. And then I think what you're trying to do is really, really whittle down to who exactly, like, what challenge are you best at solving? for whom exactly. Once you figure that out, you can raise your rates, right? And you can micro niche. You can get down to solving very, very specific problems for very, very specific people at a much, much higher rate because you're the expert in that space. All things outside of that, you start to productize, right? So yeah, I used to solve that problem and that problem and that problem, but now I only do this for a very high rate, but I'm going to create products that solve those three problems. And I'm going to make an upfront investment in creating those products so that when I'm sleeping or whenever someone goes to my website, they can buy the solution that I used to trade my time for. And then you have two different revenue streams. The service business where you have a high uh, you know, dollar per hour value, working on things you're extremely good at. And when people come and they're outside of your sort of micro niche, you can direct them to products you've already created and make passive income you know, as you're working on things that are more meaningful to your micro niche. That's products sort of being- the six... Products yeah. being, sorry, courses, um, you know. Courses, webinars, cohort-based coaching programs, eBooks, you name it. There's no right answer. Um, 
you know, whatever you're most, you know, comfortable creating. I, I like courses. I like video courses. So that's like the five or six step process that I think about. It's like getting over the fear, getting down to your sub niche, building your audience, standing up a service business, and then turning that, that service business into a product, you know, productizing it. And then, and then really driving your cost up or your price up. That's, that's a solid step-by-step process. I think it's going to take a, a couple listen overs for, for those of you listening. Uh, if this is what you want to do and you know, you want to generate income online a year from now. Um, I love this interview so much. Thank you so much, Justin. Where can people find you and how can they learn more about growing and monetizing on LinkedIn? Yeah. I mean, everything about me is on my personal website, which is Justin Welsh. That's W-E-L-S-H dot me, justinwelsh.me. Do you want to learn about my like sort of prime product? It's just the operating system.co. And if you're interested in learning about my private community of LinkedIn creators and solopreneurs, you can go to audienceandincome.co. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. Uh, Before we wrap, what is one piece of advice you would give to my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? achieve their next big win? Great, great question. Um, I would say pick up a book on copywriting. I believe that copywriting, becoming a great copywriter, regardless of what business you choose, makes you a walking six-figure person. I love that one. As I said, your copywriting. And for those of you who don't know, copywriting is essentially the art or skill of writing, uh, but in a, in a persuasive method or in an attention grabbing method and a sales method. Um, and it's, it's what's, I think personally, like obviously your ideas and not everything is great, but the way you turn your ideas into words is, is extremely powerful, Justin. So, uh, kudos to you for, for everything that you've been able to accomplish up to this point. And, uh, I can't wait to continue to stay tuned. Um, so thank you for the wonderful, wonderful insights. To my listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, head on over to iTunes and drop us a five-star rating. We hope to see you again on the next episode of Winning Streaks.